Christmas would have rated round 20 2018 as the best round of AFL footy ever. Pessimists would have focused on a dark Sunday that had two teams beaten by 100 points, bring up the state of the game, and also the infamous punch. As such, this one of the odds we'll be talking about issues that popped up over the weekend that I just had to ask Baz questions about. There's also an important round of free to preview, and of course, our tips to present, and hopefully some bets that get up as well. But first, let's talk about our sponsors, the Yorkshire Hotel. Whether it's to host a podcast recording, to host a party, to host your mates, or just a place to hone your thoughts over a quiet meal or a beverage, the Yorkshire Hotel is the place for you. There's no better place to take in all of the weekends for the action than from the comforts of the Stingo on the corner of Langridge Street and Punt Road in Abbotsford. We'll probably see you there over the weekend for a point or two. And now on with the pod. As I mentioned before, Baz, I've got a fair few questions to ask you, but first, how was your weekend? Pleasantries. Oh, it's pretty good. Uh, 19's had a pretty good win over Trini. Played some good footy in patches. Good last quarter. Went and watched BGS play Xavier. Uh, and it's quite a good little uh, crowd they get down there. So first game back for BGS at Crowder. Yeah. Good little crowd. All the, all the uh, school kids standing behind goals, chanting and cheering. Uh, some good footy was on as well. So it was good to watch. Close game. And then went and watched their women's team. Uh, unfortunately, lose a final just. And uh, yeah, so it was, a, it was a good weekend for footy watching. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday night was all ruined by Collingwood. And then Sunday I did not watch a kick because all three games were... I, I watched the first quarter of Melbourne and I flicked that off pretty quickly. And I watched about 10 minutes of Carlton and flicked that off pretty quickly and then went to Bunnings. Yeah, that's how boring football was on Sunday. We've got Robeson to go to Bunnings on Sunday. Well, there you go. All right. So, <laughs> sounds like you didn't watch any footy, but uh, I'll ask these questions anyway. I watched enough, man. I know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you always do, mate. The fingers on the pulse when it comes to the barrel. All right. So, Friday night, we obviously had the game where I have never seen so many ex-footballers piled into the all-time great. Apparently, he should have kicked the goal. Apparently, he's been avoiding contact. Apparently, he's picking and choosing. He's an all-time great... And if you can't, none of these blokes would ever have done what he's done. So get off Gary's back. It wasn't his fault. Richmond were too good. But Chris Scott came out and said, look, we're pretty close. I reckon we'll get him next time. Have Geelong cracked the Richmond code? No. So I like to look a lot. You know, there's lots of stats out there. Yeah. Mine big ones is obviously efficiency inside four and how many inside four fifties you get. Tackles inside 50 and then time in four and a half. Yeah. So Richmond smashed Geelong in all those Categories. They had it was up to 67, 68% forward half for yeah. them, for the game. They had t- over 20 more inside 50s. It was a bit of, bit of selfishness from Richmond, I thought, and decision-making was down. I don't know if it was conditions as well. But a few players weren't at their best, and I think Geelong just took advantage of that, and they were pretty lucky, I think, to get close. I thought a few times, and we were messaging, because obviously we had, we had our money on 40-plus. A few times there in that third quarter, I thought, here we go, like, Richmond just going to roll away with it and, and hopefully win the last quarter as well, but... Well, the Tigers got out to 29 points, I think, three times in the game. Yeah. And then they let Geelong kick the next goal to keep in touch. So, because really, at any of those three points, if, if Richmond kicked the next goal to go out by five goals, then it's just game over. Like, they go on and romp them. Because they're not, as I said, like, as you said, forward 50 entries, smashed them. And just, in general, it wasn't, like, they were, Geelong would score with aggressive kicks down the centre, which everyone's been making a big deal about this week. But only after... A Richmond player did something stupid like instead of just hitting the guy up on the line and giving him an outside chance to kick a goal, yeah. be like, oh no, I need to, I need to thread this really risky forty-five inside fifty kick twenty-five yards 
turn over to their defender and let them seam go up the guts. So yeah, Richmond are operating at 37% inside 50 efficiency. So they had 68 inside 50 to 46. They were 48% shooting actually compared to 55 and drawing up to 48% inside 50 efficiency. They had three more shots at goal. They had nine more tackles inside 50. They had 20 more tackles for the game. Everyone talks about you know, Geelong smashing contested possessions and stuff like that, but Richmond don't generally win those sorts of mm. stats. It's generally pretty even on their on their half. But they love the forward pressure, the time forward half, and, and you know repeat entries. And they did that. They did enough, and they should have won. I, I was sitting there throughout the whole game. It might have been because I had money on it, but yeah, I just thought they should have smashed along. And I, nothing I saw from Geelong, apart from Cali, has me worried about them playing. They've got to make finals as well. So yeah, yeah, Geelong were a long way off for me. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And especially in the sense that as a Richmond fan, I left that game annoyed, not even relieved. I was just kind of like, we played so poorly, that's really annoying, as opposed to, oh, we got away with one against a really good team in Geelong. So maybe some blinkers in that one, maybe some hate goggles because we had the cash and we didn't get it. But uh, Geelong, you're dreaming, and Chris Scott, I think, I know you're playing that Lions dynasty, I know your coach was Lee Matthews, but you know you use the, if it, if it bleeds, you can kill it. You use the, we're not that far away. Just put down the Lee Matthews handbook and wait until your team's worth the dynasty before you bring out the cliches. Yeah, make sure you've made finals before you start really ramping up your belief yeah. in the yeah. team. Yeah. We've cruised on into Saturday after a great game Friday night. Hawthorne got away the chocolates. They survived the pace. They survived the speed that Essendon has. Have we underrated this Hawthorne side this year? They're 12-7. and seven. They're fifth on the ladder. It was a case of too slow, too old. Same old for this, in terms of criticisms. But is this Hawthorne side actually pretty good? Is it the one adjective we've forgotten to give them? No, they're just... they're well. Obviously, they're well coached. But they're also... They kick incredibly well. Yeah. They're the one team I you can watch regularly and go, you could just watch these guys train and it'd be enjoyable. Yeah. They just hit up kicks all the time. Now, you talk about their, their top eight wins. We talk about Melbourne, their top mm-hmm. eight wins. So Hawthorne have only had three this year. And two of them were Collingwood in round one. And Geelong very early on in the year as well. So by a point. By a point in a, in, a, in a big shootout. So they've had a pretty good run, really, Hawthorne. And, you know, Bergwijn's played some good games as well and, you know, signed on for another year. And they've got a... Top end's good, bottom end's still got a bit to, bit to go. And, you know, they're playing some kids. They're trying out a few different players. But I still think... And it just shows how even this season is. If you're up at the right time, apart from... Prob- I reckon Richmond and GWS still miles ahead and probably West Coast but GWS and West Coast have their injuries issues it's, there's somehow some unbeknown reason Richmond just don't get an injury and yeah I, I don't think we've, we've probably underrated them a little bit to be honest but I still think that they're not a premiership contender and I think they're making finals does them more harm than good because there's a general groundswell at the moment amongst Hawthorne fans suggesting that we're a bit of a sniff here no, the, the Hawthorne fans are getting, have got the Chris Scott allergy of overrating their, their potential, I think. They're kidding themselves. Absolutely kidding yeah, themselves. They have, they have, you know, probably five or six absolute A-graders. But, yeah, the depth isn't, isn't there. And, as you said, they haven't done against top eight sides this year. So, they're in, they're in the hunt, they're in the race. And, yeah, if you do a doggies and string together four wins and steal a premiership, well done. But it's, you can't bank on that. You can't predict that. And you wouldn't come out here in a hot take. If, if they win the play this year, I'll go down to Waverley in full Hawthorne kit and roll. If you watch Last Chance You, if, yeah. if you've watched any episode. Oh, there, the defence roll. I'll do the defence roll from one goal square to the other twice. Head it here first, ladies and gents. Close games kept on coming. The showdown was as close as it gets. 
Ken Hinckley came out and said it was an embarrassment at the score review, but can Port really blame the goal umpire for their loss? No. Adelaide... Should have smashed them. Should have smashed them. And then they got up late in the quarter. Ollie Wines had a shot for goal and puts it out in the full. A pretty simple shot for goal as well. So you can't go blame an umpire. Like, yeah, it was a bad decision if it hit the post or that stuff, whatever. But I think uh, Ken Hinckley played it pretty smartly by going about it that way because... To be honest, they didn't deserve to win the game. And if they did the right thing in the last five minutes, they should have won it. So, you know, Ollie Wines kicks that goal. They put a few more numbers behind the footy, play smarter. They win. So, Ken, I think this is the second coach or third coach to blame umpires this year and have a crack at umpire. I think worse falls the other one. Guess what? Essendon have done it. They're not playing finals. And, you know, they. I don't think uh, Port might be might be struggling as well at this rate. They've still got Collingwood to play. I can't remember who they play this week, West Coast. So they've got two more, two pretty big games that, you know, if they get on the wrong end of, they could be finding themselves outside the top eight pretty quickly. So it's Ken, just worry about that first and, uh, yeah. Just yeah, get your house in order before you start pointing the finger at everyone umpires else. Umpires don't kick goals for you. They do not. And they were lucky that Adelaide didn't get the umpires to kick their goals as well because the umpires were able to kick theirs. Because, again, much like the Richmond game, that Richmond-Geelong game was very similar to the Adelaide-Poor Adelaide game where if Adelaide had capitalised on their entries, they had 20-plus entries. If they capitalised on their entries, they win by four or five goals. So, again, it's just you were lucky to be in the hunt. You didn't capitalise. Stiff bickies. Worry about your own house. Don't worry about it. And, look, I'm the first one. Don't trust me. on the coach's line to have a crack. I'm not have a crack at our boy, but... Just sit back and go, you know, can we get a good run or something here? But I've got goggles on. Yeah. Ken probably had goggles on as well. But most umpires, in, in especially now, they're, they're, once they do it at the start, they're pretty consistent. And, yeah, you just can't you just can't blame umpires for a loss. They don't kick your goals. And some people do. I probably have in my life. And the more I look back on it, the more I think, well, you sound like a knob. The string of close games rounded out with a tight Collingwood loss to Sydney on the weekend. After Buddy kicked another massive bag, does Collingwood need Tom Lynch or to restock their back line? Well, we get Tom Lynch for free, really, anyway, so just got to sign him and hope that Gold Coast accepts he's going. And take... you know, you'll need cash, though. Oh, well, yeah, we'll probably have to get rid of one or two, and that's probably where you know Darcy Moore comes into it. Look, our back line, if it was fit, if Darcy Moore stayed on that on Saturday night, we'd win, I think. But my biggest problem on that game was that we played three quarters of really good footy and dominated. And for some reason, the third quarter, we were just non-existent. We lost clearances. We were getting smashed around the ground. We made some dumb decisions. And Buddy just put on a clinic, which, you know, he's playing on a a first gamer who, you know, to be fair, is probably a bit out of his depth there. And nothing against him. And most are against Buddy, too. Exactly. It's like nothing against him. Yeah, we couldn't find... Obviously, our structures had to change. And I think... um, you know, my check went back and then we struggled a bit going forward. We 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 barely took a mark or not. Uncontested marks sitting over 100. We were around the 50, 60 marks. So it says a lot about how we are playing and our, even our uh, possession numbers were down con- compared to other games. So, you know, we had more, I think we had a couple more inside 50s. We had more scoring shots. Everything you look at says we should have won. Our time in fourth half was up as well. We had double the amount of inside 50 tackles. Just weren't, just weren't clean enough. Made a few dumb errors and, you know, Buddy just was freakish. And on the flip side of that, obviously, is what we learned about Sydney is it proved that their structures and their team plan can still work in this different era of football. 
Or did it just prove that Buddy's a freak and can jack him games on the back? Buddy's a freak. Back? He kicked six goals, five. Uh, they, I think they kicked, what, ten goals? Mm. Like, ten goals? Buddy's a freak, and he, he's going to need to do that for them to win games. We've, we've talked about this plenty of times. Yeah, he's just a freak, and yeah, like it took. I think that thirty quarters was us trying to change our setup, and it wasn't until um, Main went forward that we had an actual target to kind of kick to, and yeah, and look, you know, Stephenson was our key forward, really, and he's a first year player, so we missed Goey and a few others as well, but yeah, no, they did well, and Sydney, I think they'll might get a bit of a reality check again this week. There you go, little, little bits of spice being dropped here by Brian. Speaking of. Are Melbourne and GWS the best teams in the competition or should be playing the Gold Coast and Carlton be considered a bye in the final month of footy? Everyone's getting carried away with Melbourne. They beat Gold Coast by 100 points, people. Yes, or 90 points, whatever it was. Now, in maths, there's a, there's like sine waves and cos waves, 10 waves. They're consistent. It goes up and down at the same rate. 2018 has given mathematical proof to the Melbourne wave. And what it does is they have... They bottom out... They'll have a disappointing loss. Then they'll have a gritty game where they either win or lose. Then they'll win a game that they should win. Then they'll smash a team that they should smash. And everyone goes, premiership contenders, number one team, look how much they score. And then they drop off. They lose a game that they shouldn't lose. And then they get, and then, then the wave starts again. It's about a four-week wave. It's been going on all year. Well, I think we're about to see Melbourne drop off again. Really? They, they've won by 100 points. They could drop another game. They could drop... They could legitimately drop the next three games. They could, but they got Sydney this week, and they should beat them. But you should have, you Collingwood should have beaten Sydney, and Sydney know how to win. Melbourne have not beaten a side in the top eight this year. Well, they get their chance this week, and they'll be pumped up for it. They'll be looking forward to it, and they always are. They were pumped up for Anzac Day Eve, and then Sydney will. They were pumped up for Queen's Birthday, and then Sydney. I just don't think Sydney have the cattle to match them. They've got Buddy. Yeah, and that might be enough. I think they got a pretty good matchup for Buddy too. Oh, yeah, Frosty. You can't trust Melbourne. And you can't trust them against top eight. That's what it suggests this year. Okay. Well, anyway, GWS, they smashed. Carlton were pathetic. Yeah. They were terrible. They, they literally played with 16 17 in the last quarter. Yeah, okay. Everyone over- overstates that. It they was don't. like, if, no, if they played with 16 and 17. It was like for three minutes. No, it wasn't. They were rotating players off yeah. to get massages and bring them yeah. back on. But it wasn't. It wasn't for that long of the last quarter. It was for majority of the last quarter. Was it? Yeah, they went to it a few times on the TV. But I don't think. I don't think that was continuous. I think there were guys running back off the bench with no, and they'd have no one on the bench for a bit, and then they'd rotate get the massage. Because the bowler came off. Yeah, I don't think. I don't on, think. And then and like Torano came. Not Torano. One of the other young players, uh, maybe Boner, came off. Yeah, he had a rub. But, and then, like, it Cameron, continu- in the, Cameron in the press conference afterwards was saying like in terms of total time on the ground with only 16 or 17 it was like maybe 5 minutes tops he's probably saying that to save Buddy Bolton from being embarrassed no because he he was scared about the like integrity of the game and I suppose the gambling agencies getting upset and whatever well, to be honest do you know how many times this year the, our games in the 9 has been done and with 10 minutes to go I put 7 or 8 9 on the bench I've done it a lot yeah but there's no one punting on your games mate I know, but I'm just saying it's it's good. I, I think it's good game management, team management. Yeah, and it's probably the, the players, especially for both teams because there's no point smashing your team by 300, 400 points well, even on in the, your league. And well, you we know, for we them, never, we never win that much. <laughs> we can't kick straight enough. But even on the weekend, like we're up by 40, 30, 40 points with you know a good ten minutes to go. I I'd, I'd you know seven on the bench and eight on the bench, and the kids want to go back on. Don't get me wrong. And that, I don't think they're happy with it sometimes. But at the end of the day, I'm, 
what's what's more important yeah with yeah. three weeks or four weeks to go before finals and I was doing this probably around six or seven as well hmm. but with you know I want to see these kids get to the finals and play finals footy and I'm not sending them out there for ten minutes for them to get injured yeah no, that's all it's very good game management and you got to do what you got to do does that do we learn anything about the Giants in that case as well because I think I think although they, they, they picked playing, up more injuries, which is not good. Yeah, but although they're playing the Blues, like they still look, they look very, they do the little things right. I feel like something's clicked. They're clicked, but they just need to make sure they stay fit. Mm. That's the only thing that's going to stop now is injuries. And if they get fit and they play this stuff next year, watch out. And of course, the topic that everyone's been talking about all week ad nauseum. Everyone's had their say. We may as well have the hot take from Barrel. How many weeks should have Gaff got? And do we need a red card system? And you obviously you're experiencing ammos. Does it work? Uh, Gaff got probably about right. He wasn't trying to punch him in the head. Like, so this I, I'm, is, not, yeah. I'm not trying to defend the guy. What he did was wrong. It was bad, bad look, everything. And Brayshaw, you know, I hope he's okay. I think he is with all the social media stuff. But um, he didn't mean to hit him in the, in the head. And that's the part I've got he a little bit angry about this week, this week as well, is that first off comparisons, whether that was... Like Ross Lyon interviewing Ross Lyon the press conference fair enough he's going to be emotional A Ross we all saw what you mouthed at three quarter time so don't play complete ignorance or innocence in this situation yeah. B comparing it to Barry Hall is ridiculous because Barry Hall just clocked Staker from nowhere like and, nothing and tried it like legitimately and hit him in the head, head yeah. whereas this one you can see if you watch the whole clip and not just the gone viral three second clip that was on social media for most of the week it's Brayshaw blocking his run, blocking his run, and then Gaff trying to get away, and then yep. he swings and hits him in the head. Yep. Again, you cop your whack, you get your eight weeks, so be it. But then, you know, we've got Jared on, on buddy, SCN in the morning saying he should get 12-month bans or he should get 24-week bans. Or, you know, it's assault. It's not assault because when you go on the footy field, these things happen. Yes, you shouldn't get hit in the head. He cops his whack, but it's not like... They're sitting in the goal square, the ball's in the other goal square, and they're punching on. Yeah, they're punching. It's, yeah. it's, it's away from the ball, but it's part of the play. Let, just have a think about the situation and not let hysteria take over. Yeah, correct. And the more important part, I think, for us is the red card issue because they do play a man down. And if this, not so much for this game, but say this happens in the grand final, it's a one-point game, you, you, everyone's knackered, and then you lose a rotation. Should the other team lose a rotation too, essentially? Well, in our moves, it's... We have it obviously red and yellow. The problem with the red card, and I've seen it twice this year already in under-19s, is umpires, especially young umpires, they watch a lot of, and obviously these guys are professional, or not professional umpires, they're, they're semi-professional umpires in the AFL. They get it wrong. So they'll, they'll see something and just be like, oh, that's a red card. You're like, well, how is that a red card? And the kid gets two weeks, and you can't argue because you've got no footage. Yet you see other things that go... Get, you know, I've got footage of a sling tackle on the weekend where the kid wasn't as hard as nails. He probably would have almost been broken in half. And you can't send it into the into the buffer because, well, to be honest, he doesn't get injured, so would they take it seriously enough? But, you know, there's a lot of sling tackles in junior footy at the moment just because people don't... And yeah, so red card, you know, and forget probably the off point a bit, but red card in the, in the AFL would work if that was done to a certain extent but it, the problem is that it opens up more grey area hmm. and you know I'm about to have my spicy take any minute but yeah it opens up more grey area for umpires to stuff up I wouldn't have a red card until umpires are fully professional in the AFL hmm.
So all these people whinge and bitch about the game, the state of the game, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I think AFL is great. It's in a great position. The thing that annoys me the most watching AFL is the umpires. The inconsistencies from one call to the next. So in the last quarter against, in, in for instance, in the Sydney Colonial game, uh, Callum Brown got tackled high just after he picked up the footy. Umpire missed it. Got called for holding the ball. Like, literally called for holding the ball. He just picked it up. That was a different umpire to the one at the other end where Josh Kennedy takes the footy, drops it, and then another player picks it up, puts the ball on the ground, then kicks it off the ground to kick the winning goal. So how's that? If you seriously split screen it, and I have, there's no difference, but it's just the interpretation of one umpire to the other. Yeah. It's all this grey area. And it frustrates fans more than anything. So we need to make sure umpires are professional, that they train together, interpretate the rules the same together full time during the week. You only need 18 or 20 of them. And even have an academy where, all right, we know these guys are pretty young, good up-and-coming umpires, get them in, you know, two or three times a week, pay them whatever you need to pay them to get them through, and make it a, a worthwhile thing because we need professional umpires. It'll make the game a lot better. We'll get decisions right. We'll get the, the ball-ups right. We'll get all that stuff right instead of having blokes that are lawyers and on part-time on a weekend will rock up and umpire again. Yeah. And it's hilarious to listen to, to coaches who understand this better than most. So Clarkson, the, the essentially the, the you know, the the vice chancellor of AFL, he gets his say and he gets he what does, he wants. He gets what he wants, yeah. He came out and said, You don't need to change the rules. The rule conversation's ridiculous. What you need to do is we need to umpire the rules properly. So yeah. again, Essendon uh, Hawthorne was a prime example and he kinda of said it went both like it went incorrectly both ways and it maybe didn't affect the result, because he's team one obviously. But holding the ball, he's just like if you want to declutter all of the AFL, pay holding the ball. It's Buckley's one as well. same with Buckley. And the same with Hardwick. And they all go, if you want to get rid of congestion, just pay it. And yes, you reward the tackler and apparently somewhere, someone has decided that everything about AFL is rewarding the ball holder or the ball winner. Well, no, that's not written in the rules. None of it's written in the rules. It's just an interpretation that someone's had. But if what you hate is congestion or what you hate is grey area, just pay holding the ball more often than not. Like, just the, just pay it. The, the advantage call against, I think it was Warpole, the one... Yes. Yeah, like, he clearly stopped. Hmm. I've seen, he stopped, put his hands up, and then got slammed. I've seen I've seen people run, take 15, 15 bounces almost, hmm. and, and then stop because they've realised they've stuffed up and they've caught it back. Like, yeah. it's just open to so, many, to so much grey area... That, that it brings the game to disrepute more because, like I said, there's two dis- distinct decisions on the weekend that, in a close game, it, it you know changes the game one way or other. And yeah, we, we, you talk, we told Ken Hinckley to you know shut up before, but it, it's true because we've had goal line technology for how long? And look how poor it is. It's a couple mm. of cameras like taped to a some bloke's hat in the crowd. Like how hard? Like if cricket can afford hot spot night stuff. Surely the AFL can. You'd think so. And they go, oh, but it's got to get to different grounds and blah, 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 blah. Well, then don't have it. Just trust your umpires. Or the one rule change I would probably allow is that if it hits the post and goes through... Play on. It's a goal. It's a goal. If it bounces back in the play, it's play on. Mm. And it'll get rid of so much 50-50, who knows what happened shit. And it'll probably spark up the game a bit more because defenders can't, you know... Mm. There's the other one on the weekend that came in the Vogue was rushed behind, deliberate behind. I saw one on Friday night 
and I saw one against Braden Maynard on, on Saturday night. And like, again, that's another goal that Sydney kicked that wasn't a deliberate rush behind. So where did he pull that from? So yeah, it just that frustrates the shit out of you more than anything is umpiring in the game, and it just needs to be improved. And trust me, you make rule changes. It's going to get worse. And it'll get worse, and then it, it flows on as well, because it'll come to local footy, where the umpires rock up once a week and go to a meeting for an hour on a Wednesday night. They start interpreting the rules. Like, you know, on the weekend, I reckon we had probably six or seven, um, you know, the ones that they take out the legs. Like they're, they're putting their head over the footy. The, yeah, the, the low contact. Yeah, yeah, we had probably six or seven of those paid, and it went my way, but I'm sitting there going, geez, this umpire has watched a fair bit of... TV on the weekend and it was like uh, two weeks ago I had one umpire just continuously playing the encroachment rule where he was too close to the me- mate you're, you're coaching unaligned footy just do the basics right don't worry about what you don't worry about what you've been watching on the AFL watching on TV there's a reason why you're umpiring unaligned footy mate just do the basics first but anyway and, and you had six 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 or bloody zones or whatever and it'll just be utter chaos and you'll lose players at local level yeah you'll lose coaches at local level and you'll lose umpires as well because then they don't want to umpires don't want to get abused coaches don't want to pull their hair out players just want to play yeah and that's at every level and if you want to lose fans at the top in a year where the AFL's going to break membership records attendance records income records all of it it may be except for television, but that's because people don't watch it on telly they're going to the games or watching it on their phones get with the times Gil McLaughlin the best way to piss off fans, as we just said, is to make it impossible to umpire, even more impossible than it is, by adding in all these rules. And imagine, like, we blow up currently when someone gives away the encroachment rule and it's 50 metres. Yeah. Imagine, imagine the 6-6-6. Oh. Imagine that. It's a tight game. There's a minute left. Your team's, down, team's up or down by a point. And it's suddenly, oh, ball up. Oh, sorry, 6-6-6. Have a free kick from 50 out. It's yeah. It's just, you would go off chop. Uh, well, you, you saw the photo of, of my partner's uh, me d- dummy spits per quarter. Yes. Imagine, yeah, it would have been, it would have been, yeah, erratic. It would just be out of control. Mm. And then to close out that kind of semi rant about umpiring, is it, did you see any of the footage of the six 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 trial game at VFL weekend? No, I didn't, and I heard um, Campbell Brown speak about it. He reckons it would make no difference whatsoever to an AFL game. Well, the overarching, yeah, consensus was uh, it was a game of footy. It looked a bit weird at the centre bounce, and it was a game of footy. That yeah. was it. He, he said it gives, it gives the midfielders an extra second or two to get the, have, make a better decision, and for the goal square, it just meant when they kicked it long, it went to the halfback flank instead of just outside the 50. So, yeah. and. Do they think it's going to stop teams from setting zones and doing all that stuff? No. Yeah. The longer kickouts where it won't help anything. They'll just set their zones deeper. Mm. It'll probably, in, in fairness, it'll probably make it harder. Yeah, because then you're just cutting it off at halfway and rebounding it back without the congestion of being caught in the pocket. As, as I keep trying to tell my guy, the best way to work your way through the zone is take that 45 or, or take that shorter 20, 30 metre kick than then go because mm. then you, you much like what Richmond did to Geelong on the weekend yeah you get over the back of the go zone go lateral yeah. and then they go long yeah you get over the back of the zone or you know you, you work your way through it or go on the other side where the zone is there's no point in like trying to kick over the back of it from 50 because you won't get over you need to take that short 20-30 then hit the 45 to get through it mm. it's a risky risky but you know if you're good enough you can do it and we've been good enough to do it so anyway there you go that's me talking myself up for five seconds 
There's our pontification over for the week. All right, Kitty Check-In is pretty dour. Just the one win, Adelaide on the head-to-head at $2.10 for round 20. But round 21 is where it's at. Well, pretty close again this week, I reckon. The last two weeks we've been a bit stiff. We got stiffed. We got stiffed. But, you know, that happens. We put all our eggs in Richmond. We did, and that's a good bar to put all your eggs in most, most weeks. You can't stop back in favourites because that's just what should happen. The favourites win more often than not. And if you, all you do is hunt roughies, you know that as a trackside man, you don't get anywhere. No. You're just hunting dreams. You do are. You're hunting dreams. Yeah. You're living reality. Yeah, one big win every, every few months. And it might break you even if you're lucky. If you're lucky. Don't hunt dreams. Live in the real world. Follow our best bets starting this week. Round 21 preview. <laughs> Essendon, St Kilda. After the best round of footy ever, we set off with a stink on a Friday night down at the Dome. The line here is five goals. Essendon lost to Hawthorne on the weekend, which pretty much means their season is done. Um, and, yeah, they know it's done. They know that their start of the year cooked them. And uh, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They're going to play out the season really hard and tough, or are they going to just peter out and start thinking about Bali in three weeks' time? What a, what, a, what a crap game to start the weekend with. This is why I actually agree with Swanee. Like, surely Hawthorne Geelong should be... Friday two, night. Two Melbourne teams, bigger game, Hawthorne Geelong should be Friday night. This should be the 145 game. Yeah. On a Saturday. You'd like, agree with but, that. Yeah. Anyway, oh, St Kilda were pretty ordinary last week. Were they? Well, they were back half. They were. They started off really well. Yeah. And then they One got, of those weird ones, if you, if you, if you are channel surfing... You go, all right, that game's done. So you could all win that. No worries. You come back and you go, oh, what the bloody hell happened there? Especially to let the doggies kick a goal in the second half. They're the first time to let the doggies kick a goal in the second half for about a month. I'm tipping Essendon in a pretty ordinary game. I might have to find something to do, I think, because I don't think I might watch the last few episodes of Last Chance You and uh, get stuck into another Netflix stock or something. Yeah. yeah. Head to a light, late night session at Bunnings. No, no late night sessions at Bunnies this week. Uh, might watch the race against Singapore or something. But yeah, no no bet for me and just tip Essendon. I think that's... Uh, yeah, the game will have no impact on the season. So yeah, I'd rather talk a bit more about Hawthorne Geelong. Well, let's get straight into it. Sunday, one forty-five. Now the Blockbusters time slot. I have a conspiracy theory that maybe Fox Footy is trying to sell subscriptions. They're like, we'll put all the good games in this time slot. Because you look back through the season... Pretty much all of the absolute bangers have been in this time slot on a Saturday. But it annoys me because I'm... Yeah, everyone's coaching, everyone's everyone's playing. It's a weird time to play, to put a great game on because no one can really get there. That's a ridiculous thing to say. We had 88,000 there for Richmond Collingwood. We had 78,000 there last week for Hawthorne Essendon. So people can get down there, but the diehards will be out playing footy themselves. Anyway, this is a borderline pseudo... Elimination final between two of the all-time rivals. On one hand, a Hawthorne side where all their fans reckon they are a chance because, you know, quote, Hawthorne and Richmond have never played in the finals before. and They reckon they're a grand final fancy. In the other corner, you have Chris Scott, who believes that his, his team is only a kick or two away from beating the uh, Richmond in, in the September. Madness. Where do you see this one going? And which side essentially has a bit of talent? Because I think both, on pure talent, you're a little bit like... Oh, they're both like they're superstars, but it kind of drops away pretty quickly. Yeah, I think going forward, Geelong are a better team. 
with just Tomahawk and Menzel. Uh, I, I like hopefully Narkel's back because he, he. I don't know how many weeks he was in a miss, but he, he's a bit bit of an impact sort of player, a bit of a sparkle. Narkel gives him a bit something around the uh, four fifty and through the contest. You know, on their half the ground. Hawthorne have been good. You know, Bruce. You know, Gunson was good last week, and you know, everyone knows they're good players. Like they're good players to up. You know, they, they're un. You know. You know the players that no one really knows about, like your Warple played a pretty good game last week and stuff like that, that, you know, starting to come, you know, playing a few games AFL. And, I mean, you look at, you know, going back to Essen, you look at some of their stoppage work in their forward 50, you know, Hawthorne's forward 50, and you just wonder what what were some of their players thinking? Like, Gunston walked into a goal in the goal square at one point, I think, cause, from a stoppage, because Francis just lost him, like, had no idea. So they're pretty smart down there, the forwards at Hawthorne. Um, and obviously, you know, we've talked about Geelong's backs, back woes. My, my thinking is that uh, Scott got him really built up for last week. Yeah. And you know my theories on, on this mental sort of stuff. You know, players and it should get themselves motivated. The coach shouldn't try and motivate them as much because it tends to have a wavy effect. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, it does. And, you know, I know Harwick's a big believer in this as well. So it's Buckley. Yeah, so I was wondering how you know, how much for pump up, you know, up getting them up for last week, big game, you know, they fought back, wet conditions and stuff like that, whether that might take a little toll on their performance this week. Yep. So, I mean, from my point of view, I'm not going to touch the game, you know, from a betting perspective. I'll probably go unders. On, on, it's probably going to be a low-scoring game. Um, just, I think, it's meant to be wet on Saturday. I know that. It's meant to, meant to get 10 or so mil, so... Be a wet game, unders 150, hopefully Hawthorne win just to make sure Geelong don't make the finals. And it'll be an easier opponent for Collingwood, I think, in the finals if we play Hawthorne than Geelong. Um, and, yeah, just really, really good game, game to watch. It'll be, I reckon it'll be a good, tight contest. And they both are very similar similar sides. So they've gone, both teams have gone to that very deliberate, slow phase play. They like their kick mark chains. That's something that Hawthorne's been doing for eight plus years under the whole Clarko reign. That's something that Geelong does now because they don't have that pace, that pure pace in the midfield, so they'll take those aggressive kicks either against Richmond. I think if they play those styles, the same styles against each other, Hawthorne are better at playing their style of footy than Geelong are. It would be a wet weather game, so this would be a wet territory. Like yeah. if, if the weather's coming, they predict. Like Geelong, would Geelong try the same, just kick it and hope down the line, like just take the long kicks and try and get it over the back like they did last week or do you reckon they were trying to control the footy a bit more if it's a drier game if it's a drier game I think they'll try and control it more and play more like they have against other teams like almost like they did against Melbourne and just wait get it out the back get it around the back laterally out of the stoppages and then try and just find that free kick that free kick that free kick yeah but again if you play that style I think Hawthorne are the better team at that the other thing you hear, I think the G comes into a factor as well. So, obviously, Geelong and Cadinia Park is pretty much guaranteed wins. Hawthorne this year have won six out of their eight games of the G. The Cats have won two out of six. So, I think that tips things into the favour as well. And I think just the Hawks are used to using that space. And it's something that Richmond exploited against Geelong last week was that that lateral kick from kickouts using the full width and making, making them run because Geelong aren't that quick. No. And Hawthorne... Despite me thinking that they've been they're a bit slow, actually went all right with pace last week against Essendon. So I think even if they if they want to spread the pitch and spread spread the length of the field, they'll have that advantage over Geelong as well. So I think again, not a great game to try and make money off, but uh, Hawthorne 
to yeah to win. And I think even even to kind of rely on the weather for an unders is pretty hard if the if the under over here is going to be one fifty. Speaking of good games, this ain't one of them. Two ten on a Saturday. We're heading up up north for some sunshine in the Gold Coast. They are fifteen dollar outsiders against Richmond. Dollar o two. The line here ten goals. Richmond are the running premiers, and they show no sign of slowing down, even though they had a little hiccup against the Geelong last week. Go away with a cheeky win. The Suns have given up. They're already in the Gold Coast. They're going all the way to Bali. They've checked out early. Their captain's left them. They're into absolute tatters. The only real question about this game is, will the margin be over or under 100 points? You'd think it'd be over, but it just depends on whether... Is Harbour going to do a, a Brian Randall super coach and just start putting the cue in the rack after three quarter time? We saw them put the cue in the rack against St Kilda, uh, up by fifty odd points yeah. at half time, and only won by like forty eight. So I don't think they they don't need a hundred percentage. No, they if they just win, they finish top. They finish top. Yeah. So what's through, in it for them? Get really? through as unscathed as much as possible. Maybe rest a few blokes. You might see Richmond resting a you know, Dusty or a Koch or a, or Jack Rewall or something like that, and just. Yeah, just taking it easy against Gold Coast, maybe win by 60, 70, and that's about it. Cause Is there any chance of an upset of a team no, going no, chickens no, before they hatch? No, 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 not against Gold Coast. So they've had that win already this year. And look, they, they go all right. Like, they're a young team learning, and they're very young. And you know, Joe, which is a cut on the weekend, and I loved listening to Stewie Jew. You know, he just wanted them to take the game on and play, you know, win the footy when they can at the contest and take it on and you know they're going to get hurt going the other way doing that which is fine I think he just wants them to you know have some confidence in their ability first and then next year might put a few structures in play but I think over the next few weeks they're going to try and take the game on and have a crack yeah and they'll get done by a fair bit in in the upcoming games but it just means they have a, a platform for next year now, do you think that's not like getting? If they get thumped by 100 points in the next three weeks consecutively, are you okay with that, or are you going to be like some of the commentators out there in media land saying that they should look for a, a more senior coach, throwing a rookie coach in the Gold Coast not good enough, Stewie Jew hasn't been good enough this year, hasn't seen enough improvement, blah blah blah. To the extent of a certain show was suggesting that Paul Rue should go up to Gold Coast and take over as coaching mentor or head of football. Or I think. Uh First things first, Gold Coast just get everything in order. So their football department, their backroom staff, the facilities, uh, they're going to have a massive lift turnover this year. It's going to get worse again before it gets better for Gold Coast. And the public and the media need to understand that. And I think the AFL should almost come out and just say, look, this is where we're at. Even the Gold Coast uh, CEO or whatever should come out and just say, look, this is where we're at. We're going to lose 20 players this, this upcoming trade period through the listings, trades, whatever. We're going to recruit heavily over the next two, three years. We're going to go after Jared McVeigh or something like that as well and get you know some senior leadership in here and start building this culture. But we're probably three to four years away from anything. You need to understand that and just be patient. And the AFL is going to keep tipping in money and it'll be all right in the, in the end. But just, yeah, they, they stuffed it up majorly when they started. You know, Demetrio's got that one to wear. But, uh, yeah, it's going to take him a little while to rebuild, unfortunately. Shout-outs to Gold Coast. We're with you. God bless. Moving on to more important game, the Twilight game, Saturday, 4.35. The Absolute Pretender Cup. So Port Adelaide are $1.57 favourites despite their umpiring juice loss last week. West Coast 
Miners, their gaff after his gaff are two dollar forty outsiders. The line here is two goals. They're playing at the Adelaide Oval. Hugely important game for both clubs. More so for Port, who if they lose this one as well, are on a slippery slope and definitely in the dogfight for a spot in the eight. West Coast need to start banking wins to ensure they have a double chance and the home advantage, especially because one of their better players, and arguably a Brownlow Smokey until that infamous punch, will be missing the rest of the year. Who have you got on this one, and can we trust either team? You can't really trust either team. Not with Gaff gone. Uh, Kennedy's obviously missing. They beat Freo pretty comfortably last week, but you'd expect that. I think the um, the big thing that might kind of play here is both teams are pretty... I mean, obviously, Porter a lot more contested sort of footy than, than uh, West Coast, like get on the outside. But yeah. I think West Coast, they both play a pretty long ball sort of a game. They, they, they move it quickly, but they like to get it quickly and in long and, and deep. So I think West Coast more dangerous at that than what Port are. The wet weather might come into play. You know, Port coming off a showdown. West Coast played pretty well at, at, you know, in Adelaide. They did that. You know, they should have arguably won against Adelaide during the year. They beat Port here last year in a final. Does does that come into play? to Port use that for a bit of, you know, bounce-back ability? Um, yeah, look, I'm tipping West Coast just because I think they're a better team and they, they're going a lot better than what Port are right now. Port got smashed last week. Scoreline, you know, flattered them. Mm-hmm. You know, Ken Hinckley's come out and, you know, had a crack at the umpires and stuff, so I don't think they'll be on his side this week. And, yeah, I, yeah, I think that West Coast pretty much should have this covered. Yep, and all of the major stats agree with you there as well. So the Eagles have a ridiculously good record at the Adelaide Oval. They've won six of their last eight visits. Four of those have been against the Power, including last year's final. And you see there, like, last year's final, a couple of games this year, a couple of games that should have been too close... And the showdown last week. Are we kind of like we know that they're wish washy, but are Port actually chokers? Like if they get into a last quarter and it's like a goal in it, is it pretty much just they're going to find a way to lose? I don't know about chokers, but they're definitely not. They're not a team that you can trust definitely, no. and they're not a team that, like I said to you, or I've said the last six weeks, they won't finish top four. The only thing they would finish top four is they had a good run home and they've stuffed that, and I just don't think they're good enough. I've been saying it for a long apart from when you jumped on them at the start of the year I was with you a bit but from very early on I think we've written them off after the hype wore off and you know the goggles came off and we're like oh it was a bit silly yeah you realise that they're pretenders yeah. so West Coast uh, outsiders at $2.40 we're yeah. going to have a dip at that I think so yeah sounds good Saturday slate of important games kick off with a danger game for Brian's Collingwood one more win would pretty much sort the finals to the top four, but this encounter has all the hallmarks of a danger game. It was a close shootout last time these two teams met, Collingwood and Brisbane. It's going to be under the dome. Collingwood have an injury list longer than our wins for the year, and this Lions outfit is proving that they are up for the challenge each and every week. Are you afraid of the big bad Lions, Baz? No. No? No. Not at all? No. Not even a little bit? No. Not even worried? A little touch? No. No? We're better than them, so we win. Okay. It's pretty uh, simple. Yep. I know it's a bit arrogant, but even with our injuries, we should be beating Brisbane. Cool. Our midfield's still strong. Our ruckman's killing it. You know, probably should have... If a guy had dominated the ruck last week, we should have done better around the clearances and stoppages, but we didn't. Uh, we get Howe back, maybe pick up one or two more. Our back line should, should match up okay against their... Tor- their tours are dangerous, but they're, 
they're very uh, apart from probably Hipwood, they're very contested mark sort of tall. Which mm-hmm. I think if, if that happens, they try and kick long to our back line. How we'll have a field day. I think that we'll put them under enough pressure with their disposal that they'll make mistakes and we'll score on turnovers. I think going forward we should be okay. So um, yeah, I'm pretty confident we'll get the winner. Yep, and the line here is 24 points. Do you reckon you cover that? Do you reckon it's going to be a four, five, or six goal win? I wouldn't have a bet on this game. I reckon you might think about overs unders, but uh, and go overs because it's at the dome. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty confident we'll cover the line. Yep. But yeah, I'm a bit gun shy betting on Collingwood because after what happened last weekend. The second of the two Saturday night games is another Perla. The Giants will be playing Adelaide down at the University of New South Wales, Canberra Oval. Giants are healthy, healthy favourites in this one, despite the fact that Adelaide stole the showdown. The Giants have rarely been beaten in Canberra in recent years, but more importantly, been rarely beaten this year. Can anyone beat the Giants, Baz? Yeah, when they got those injuries, they can. they got no Dawson Simpson. That's the Ruckman. He's been playing a big role. Toe Green's out as well as the forward line. But they get, you know, I'm pretty sure they get Toronto back. They get Reid back. They get some other some other players back as well from injury. They're pretty key. Um, obviously, unfortunately, the lids goes down. Probably gone for the year. Could be could be career over, you reckon? Uh, I think he's, got, he's contracted for another year or two. So I think they'll just, they'll just keep... He's good enough... That when he comes back into the side, he's in their best 22 and he'll play. And they're in a position where they want to win premierships. So it's not like he's stealing a young person's development spot in the 22. But can he get fit again? He, he does. And, like, if, if this is him done for the year, then you'd say just get fit for next year and if it happens again, well, then it happens again. Like, he's contracted him, so they're going to pay him. They're going to pay him regardless. Yeah. So it's like how, however long he wants to keep on rolling the dice to get fit, they'll let him roll the dice because they've, they've guaranteed his pay. So there's no loss for them. And it's just on him if he gets to his fourth or fifth attempt and he's like, look, I, I just hate rehab. I hate the lonely days in the gym. Then he might go, I've had enough. Yeah. But it won't be Giants call. So yeah, so you get Shield, Griffin, Reed, and Serrano pretty much should all be right. It's obviously Simpson and Delidio done for a while and Toby Green is two or three weeks away. Um, so yeah, <laughs> The, the injury list is mounting. Like Sam Taylor's a big out as well. Uh, obviously, you know, they've already got Zach Williams out. Um, who else was there? That was you know, Will Surf. Tom Scully's done for the year. Patton's done for the year. And now Delidio plus, you know, Toby Green's out. So, yeah, they've lost a few few players. And, you know, Adelaide are pretty much going all right now with their, with their injuries. You know, McGovern should be back. Uh, Douglas should be back. Um, Talia who went off injured and probably went off injured at the wrong time for Adelaide and you know, Dixon you know, had good spells when he was off He, he they reckon he'll be right to play as well but yeah, I, I'm probably going to tip JWS and they should really win they play that ground pretty well and, and they're, they're a better team there they're starting to build a bit of a fortress they're, I'm pretty sure they've got a pretty good record at Canberra mm-hmm. um, yeah I think JWS should win and the $1.40 is still a bit short for me isn't it do you reckon a dollar forty for Joe West is a bit short? Ah, uh, yeah. The line of fifteen there is pretty. It's pretty ridiculous for these two teams, especially the the run of the run that Adelaide's had in the last month or so. Like they're back to being the Adelaide that should should have made the eight, the Adelaide that was the grand finalist last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were very good against Port last week. Just didn't convert. Mm. So, do you reckon there's any chance of an upset here at all? Or oh, again, yeah, there's every possibility Adelaide got up. 
no doubt. And it, I mean, everyone's because their final season's over, but you know, it's still still a slight hope they can win. They win the next three, they're still in with a shot. Mm, especially if teams above them dropped games, and there's enough teams playing each other that that's definitely yeah, a chance. Like of 13, 13 wins should get you in the finals this year, but you might need 14. Mm, absolutely. So yeah, the only one, only real concern there is, is that location, and you'll see this year more than ever, home ground advantage has been a massive issue. The Giants have played at uh, Canberra Oval the last eight times. They've had their eight wins, and they've won by 80 points or more in three of those. I wouldn't imagine this being an 80-point-plus game for the Giants, but I think that just tips the scales in their favour, but perhaps one to leave alone as well. We roll into Sunday's games. An intriguing one for mine. It won't be the greatest game to watch, but I think... It might be an interesting matchup between two very different teams. North Melbourne are a dollar thirty-three favourites. The fairy tale of North continues. Now they are playing against the Western Bulldogs, who just stole a game against St Kilda last week. So improving that in two thousand eighteen, literally anything can happen. The question is simple for the Roos: they need to keep winning to book a very unlikely finals berth due to their poor percentage. Can they? unleash a massive win against the Doggies here and give their funnels a massive shot in the arm. They have a really, really interesting history, these two teams. Mm. So going back until 2015, they're generally within 10 to 15 points. The last the last three games have been decided by, uh, was it two points, one point, three points, and then it's 14 points. So they're always pretty close games and they're always at Etihad Stadium. So I'd, what's the uh, over-unders here is 178. I'd be going under that. Yep. Because um, only one of those games has been uh, gone over the 178 in the last four years. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tip the doggies. Whoa! Spice and Baz late in the pod. $3.25. Outsiders, he's going the dogs. I, I, think, I don't know why it is, but they always match up really well. Um, they also bought their game style last, last week, doggies. They tend to have two or three really good weeks and they drop off again. Yeah. So they've had their one good week last week. Well, it's only they, half a week. So in terms of burning them yeah, up, they've I, only burned up half a week. So they've got, got an extra half to give out somewhere this week. So Higgins is still out. North were very, very lucky to get away with the win last week against Brisbane. They should have lost. That should have ended their season. And I just think the Doggies are after a few scalps late and I think that this could be, uh, yeah, this could be one of them. There you go. They, they, they want to make up for the fact they should have beaten them last time. Who locks down Ben Brown then? Because I think everyone's worked out this year that if you want to beat the, beat the Ruse, you try and make, you try and limit Higgins and you try and lock down on Ben Brown. But, you know, the injury list that hit the dogs hard early has really robbed them of any massive keys in terms of positions. So who takes them? Who takes Benny Brown? Keeps them quiet and gives the dogs the game. It's really hard because there's no real tools for them down back. Probably Cordy. Or he goes to him first, and if not, maybe Norton. But I think it's, it's going to be more of a team, deep like defense that, that gets them over the line. You know, they they still got a pretty like handy midfield. Uh, the doggies, so absolutely. Um, yeah, I just and Bonton Pally I played a really good game last week, and, and Shaky's starting to really come come good. But yeah, I'd probably I reckon you know. If Trengrove rucks, then he obviously you can't do it. But I reckon probably Cordy gets first crack at him. And Cordy's played some good good defensive games this year. Uh, he played pretty well. I'm pretty sure he played on him last time they played. Cordy had him last time. So, yeah, I reckon Cordy will go to him. If not, just put Norton on him. And 
but yeah, it'll be more of a team defence. They'll, they'll try and make sure that North don't get those easy inside fifties. The pressure will be up. Yeah, so around the contest, it'll be pretty generally a pretty fierce game. These games. So, but yeah, Higgins out is massive, and I, I know Wait was back last week, but you know, thirty four years old. How much can you trust him to to be the difference? And yeah, I just think if Doggy's midfield's up and going, they've got enough going forward that they should, and they generally do score from the midfield anyway. Like they're you know, the midfield, their midfielders kick goals. I think they've got enough going forward that they could probably knock them off here. There you go. Good little spice, good little value, good way to start your Sunday. Arguably the most important game of the week will be the primetime Sunday slot, 3.20. The Melbourne Pretender Demons are taking on the Never Say Die Sydney Buddies. Melbourne are $1.45 favourites. Sydney, $2.75 outsiders. The line here is three goals and yet another pseudo-elimination final at the MCG. The Demons' final three-game stretch of the year is the most tough out of any other team in the competition. They face Sydney at the G, they have the Eagles away, and then they pretty much have the play-in game against the Giants in round 23 at the G as well. If they win this week against the Swans, they're pretty much safe. If they don't, then Deja Vu, Flashpacks, PTSD will all come flushing back from the 2017 campaign that wasn't. Are Melbourne the real deal, Baz? Because I've got this stat for you, all right? So both teams are on 12 and 7. Melbourne are on 12 and 7. Sydney are on 12 and 7. Against top eight teams this year, Melbourne are 0 and 4. They have only played four top eight sides this year. Lost all four. Sydney, 12 and 7. Against top eight sides, 5 and 2. They've played seven. They've played almost half their games against top eight sides, and they know how to win them. Do they know how to beat Melbourne? Every part of me wants to say Sydney so bad. So I really want to see Melbourne stuff up. I really do. I want Sydney to win, but I just can't see it happening. I just can't see how, you know, Gorn is... If, if Grundy dominated Sinclair that much last week, Gorn's going to have a field day. The midfield generally feed pretty well off Gorn. Uh, Brayshaw's having a great year. To be said that, though, so you, to go back on the, on the ruck dominance, the clearances, Collingwood one by one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and we so know. so the like rock dominance doesn't mean that much. Like Gorn had to, as much as Gorn is an absolute jet, maybe a smoky for the Brownlow. He's a good tap ruckman. He's a, he, he's but like ruckmen are overrated this whoa, year. Whoa, 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 whoa! Because they do not have it. You go back and do this, do the stats, do the maths on it. They have very little influence. So what do you need ruckman for? Clearances. The teams that have really good tap ruckman and really good. Like Ruckman, Ruckman, pure Ruckman. So your Goldsteins, your Sandlers, your Gorn, but Gorn's got a bit more game to him than just that. Have very little influence on clearances. Yeah, but you got you like so, Grundy so, who actually lay like seven or eight correct. touches a game and but Brody Grundy, Brody Grundy well. isn't isn't a Ruckman in my opinion. He's he's just a midfielder that does the tap. Like he's he's a fucking he's a, he's, 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 a, a, he's, he's a freak. He's a good Ruckman though. He's a good Ruckman, but he's better than that. As in like. He is he he is so good around the ground that he could be classified as a Collingwood midfielder that nominates every time for the ruck. Like Ruckman, you don't I don't care if he gets if Sinclair gets outmatched you know by Gorn. Ha- you, know, you know what happened I last don't care. time you know what happened last time someone called Ruckman overrated on this pod? It was me about round three or four and then the Ruckman all came out and kicked goals and dominated every game. Um I just I just think that yeah, the midfield's better than Sydney's. Their four lines dangerous. 
their backline holds up okay, even though it can be scored against. And I just don't think Sydney have the the the, the talent to beat Melbourne. So this is the interesting one for mine. Melbourne are ranked 15th for opposition shot conversion, a.k.a. they give up easy shots. They're the fourth worst team in the comp for giving up quality looks at goal. Kyle's the worst. Yes, you are. Sydney is the best conversion team in the comp. So they don't get the most entries, they don't get the most shots at goal. When they get them, they score. More often than not, it's a goal. They also give up the hardest shots at goal, which is why they win these games. They win these games and they lose the inside 50 count. They win these games when they shouldn't because their guys just kick straight. I'd say Melbourne are probably a better team than Collingwood, and Collingwood was a very close game last week. But I think that if Melbourne goes out and does a classic Melbourne thing and is not 100% as good as they can be... They will get done by the Swans. And even at 80%, so if you say an 80% Swans effort versus an 80% Melbourne effort, like how much how much leeway does Melbourne have? Can they play at 75% of their best? Can they play at 60% of their best and still win against Sydney? They're not Richmond. No, they can't do they can't do Richmond versus Geelong where Richmond plays at 60% capacity and wins. They need to be at 100%. Yeah. I, I, no doubt they have to be at yeah, 100%. Otherwise, and so... Yeah. Sydney's paying two dollars seventy five. You might even get two eighty, two ninety by Sunday. Do we go in any investment to Sydney as an upset? I have to think about it, but I, I, I don't want to. There are other hate goggles here from Melbourne. They've cost a lot of money. We are we are barracking them for lose. We understand that. Shouts to any Melbourne fans. You could probably stop listening for the rest of the season because we just don't rate you. But other ones leaning history also. Helps us out in this situation. The Swans have dominated the Demons recently. The past six matches have all gone the Swans' way. It just... Everything goes back to the fact that they, Melbourne do not beat the top signs. I know. They still have not got over this hoodoo. Everyone rates them. Everyone says they're a premiership favourite. You know what you have to do to win premierships? Beat top eight sides. They could go out and do it this week. They could start to prove it this week. They could start to put the jigsaw piece together. Or history could do... What is always done, repeat itself when it comes to the Demons, and they can lose another game to a top eight side. Melbourne are a better team and should be winning. But you just, yeah, the, the, the Sydney factor, again, we fall back on the Sydney factor, which has burned us a couple of times recently. True. So, yeah, I think as much as I want to you know, back Sydney, I'm just going to probably sit back and watch this game and, and not have a punt. To be pretty safe punting week from Bazzi. Yeah. There's good games to watch, but you don't want to be. As we found out last week, the better the game is, the harder it is to punt. Yeah. So when in doubt, don't invest. And to round out another good weekend of footy, we have Fremantle hosting the Carlton Blues. And Blues they have for days and days and days. Fremantle dollar fifteen favourites. The line here is twenty-seven and a half. And for the neutral observer, there's not much value when watching this game. Is there much on the line for Free Old Carlton? Other than Freo just wanting a win. <laughs> Nothing like Yeah. This game's... Uh, I'm glad it's on at like four, five o'clock on a Sunday because, jeez. Do you reckon there's any emotional card that uh, Mr. Ross Lyon will play? We need a win on behalf of Brayshaw or is he not that type of cat? No, I don't think, I don't think he'd do that. I, there's, it's got no, nothing to do with Carlton, so... I, need to, I just think that, that he'll just be pushing for Dockers to win as many games as possible. I think Carlton have checked out. So, well, right last week, they didn't get home the Tuesday... They'll let her take families over there and stuff, and they weren't, you know, 
We weren't party or anything, but they were allowed to have a few extra days on the Gold yeah. Coast after their win. They were allowed to enjoy it. And, you know, I said on this pod that I was pretty sure of that, but I just wanted to get it confirmed. And, you know, they they came out and got smashed accordingly, which we talked about. And I just think that they're... They cannot wait for this season to be done, Carlton. They cannot wait. And I don't think they'll fire a shot for the next couple of weeks. And I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised they get a flog in here, but... If you are predicting a flogging... Free man of the win by 40 or more is paying $2.60. Yep. Is that tipping too much into the Frio bandwagon? Uh, I'd probably just take... What's, what's the line? Maybe 20 or 10 or 27 and a half. Oh, it's even... I, 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 I trust Frio to win, but I just don't know how much they're in a flog. Was it, they're a team that struggles to score. So, you know, how they're going to kick a big enough score to beat Carlton, I, I don't know. But then, you know, you look at Carlton and you worry about that too. So, I, I wouldn't be touching the margins... Very conservative stuff from Baz Durant the weekend. That's time again, money making time. And after a quick consult with our dear friend, Super Coach Brian Randall, we have some value on offer for listeners today. So, as a little prize for listening to this end of the pod, here we go with our round 21 feature bets. That's right. There's no categorization of this. It's all massive value. We start off GWS to cut to win. We start off with GWS to win by a margin of one to twenty-four points against Adelaide, paying three dollars. Massive value right off the bat. Running out to the last game of the week, Carlton versus Fremantle. Carlton to score between sixty-one and seventy-five points. They just have to be their average. Just be average, Blues. You will get two dollars eighty-eight. West Coast to just win in the upset against Port Adelaide. The Pretenders at the Adelaide Oval is paying two dollars seventy-five. The Western Bulldogs to have the upset against the Old and Slow Roos under the dome is three dollars twenty-five. On to our super value bets. West Coast to beat Port Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval to have Ken Hinckley have a massive meltdown, another close game, to win by a margin of 10 to 19 points. is paying a whopping $9. And our multi for the week, a very audacious. West Coast and Port Adelaide both to score between 76 and 90 points is paying $14.40 if you can find it in an in-game multi. We'll be doing some research for you on Friday afternoon, so we'll let you know where to find that, how to get on, and who knows, you might be one of those lucky punters that get featured in the bookmaker's email blasts come Tuesday morning. Thank you for the value there, Baz. Good luck to the boys on the weekend. I'll be watching too. We're heading down to Glen Waverley. Hopefully the boys get a win. Get up against Mazzard, hopefully, yeah. Home final, beckons. That's all you need. May your teams win and may your bets get up. We'll see you next week. What are the odds? You want, come again, come again,